G'day mate, welcome to episode 77 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. In this episode, Nick has been back out chasing interviews with uh, different people that we thought might be of interest to you. This week, Nick sits down with holistic nutritionist and wellness coach Nicola Brown and talks to her about all things nutrition and wellness related. We hope you enjoy it. If you've got any questions for Nicola for a future episode, feel free to send them in and we will get her back on and have a chat to her in depth about some of these topics. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Maddie Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. Hey guys, welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Today we've got another interview happening with Nicola Brown and I'll let Nicola introduce herself a little bit, but she is a qualified nutritional coach. She's a personal trainer. She's also got a qualification in primary teaching. But let's hear a little bit about you, Nick, and then we will delve into why we're talking to you on the podcast today. All good. Um, Thanks for having me, uh, by the way, on the podcast. So I'm really looking forward to delving into some good conversations today. Um, So a bit about me. I grew up in Wanganui um, with my parents um, and my younger brother, and I finished high school um, in Wanganui and I went to Teachers College not far down the road in Palmerston North. Um, I came back to Wanganui and taught for a few years in the primary school setting before heading overseas um, and I lived in Ireland in the Republic for nearly two years. Um, came back to New Zealand and moved pretty much straight up to Auckland for around eight years and now I've been back in Wanganui uh, for not quite a year and a half. So that's sort of where I've um, been as such. Um, I guess throughout the years, I did a multitude of different um, jobs and training, such as in Ireland, I did everything but teaching, as you do when you're travelling. Um, and then in Auckland, my first job was at Les Mills on the shore, and while working and gaining experience there as a gym instructor, I did my personal training certificate at AUT, and then went to complete the Les Mills um, certificate as well, which is separate. So coming up to a couple of years um, working in the gym setting, um, I ended up having shoulder surgery from continuous dislocations. Um, And the road to recovery was quite long, as some of you may know with shoulders. Um, So I decided to step away from the gym scene and get a job working for the Greater Auckland Coaching Unit. Um, And they were based up at AU2 AUT Millennium on the North Shore, which then merged into a regional sports trust. Um, And then that job sort of um, finished and through my contacts up at AUT Millennium, um, I was working with a lot of AUT staff anyway. And through the networking with that, I ended up working um, for the School of Sport and Rec at AUT. So that was my last um, job before I moved out of Auckland, I guess, um, as a, a student coordinator. And while at AET, I decided to start my postgrad cert with um, holistic performance nutrition. Um, and I had already, I guess, 
a lot of contacts through AUT um, and HPN as well, Holistic Performance Nutrition. So it just was a really good fit into where I was heading and my passions. Um, and fast forward to moving back to Wanganui now, I've started my own business in the last year and a half in nutrition coaching, among other things, and have picked up a new skill as a barista as well. So I've been doing that part-time, um, a little coffee container in Wanganui um, while building up my business. So... Yeah, that's pretty much my story in a nutshell. <laughs> but nice. obviously we'll delve more into those bits and pieces. Yeah, um, just just for a few listeners that may not uh, understand, so AUT is the Auckland University uh, up in Auckland. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> All that's okay. the acronyms in sporting industry. <laughs> yes, and in New Zealand that's where the, uh, the high-performance sport New Zealand sort of is, is based out of there, aren't they, really? Mm. Yep, high-performance um, like I said, the Regional Sports Trust, um, I mean Millennium as well, all the, um, the pools there, the gym, um, lots of different regional sports organisations. Um, yeah, it was just a really good hub, you know, yeah. um, they had a lot of events there and you'd see from any day Olympic athletes right down to your children that were learning how to swim, you know, so it was, it was a very cool setup, and I think they've got a very um, good thing going going there. So I really enjoyed my time there and also um, with, you know, working in AUT as well um, and around the School of Sport and Rec and especially with the nutrition um, guys at AUT as well. So, yeah. 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 It's a pretty, pretty cool facility that we have in New Zealand. It's a shame for, mm. for those of us in the, the, the lower South Island that it's not a little bit more accessible. Uh, yeah, that's true. Certainly, certainly from a wider picture, uh, it's a pretty cool facility to mm. have in one spot. Mm. I know they did get they did get a lot of overseas um, students, especially AUT and doing placements up at AUT Millennium, um, and it was you know world renowned for what they do, um, especially in the sports labs and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have so, to get up sometime. <laughs> yes. Not now, but <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's and something that might be of interest to our, some of our listeners in New Zealand. Anyway, they do a range of. Uh, like performance testing from a, a mm. physiological point of view. Um, yep. And it's something I had done ooh, probably three or four years ago now was uh, like a metabolic efficiency test um, to kind of cool. to show where where I start using carbohydrate over fat from that endurance exercise and, and a heart rate point of view. Um, oh, awesome. And it was quite an interesting test. Uh, it would be much more applicable if I had it a way to retest it without having to go to Auckland. <laughs> uh, and I think they are doing some of that in Dunedin now too, but maybe at some point I'll have to track down, um, I think it was Adrian Romanos at the stage that yep. was doing it. Um, yep. He might still be there, um, see if he wants to come and give us a bit of a spiel on what that's all about. Mm. Um, and, and I think they did actually get quite a few, you know, like I said, Olympic athletes, but then general pop going in and testing VO2 max and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, or mm. skin fold measures and, you know, just... Um, um, other things around the sporting industry, so it was a really cool, yeah, place to place to be. Yeah, it would have been actually. It would have been. It would have set you up really well when you crossed over to to start learning under Cliff um, mm. at HPN. And again, listeners that have been with us for a while, Cliff Harvey, um, who's the founder of the Holistic Performance Institute, was on a podcast quite some time ago. We did a wee interview with him around one of his books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's Is that a, the appropriate one. Was it was, the, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, it was his first one there. Um, and he's just such a wealth of knowledge. Um, yeah. And I've certainly thoroughly enjoyed studying with him over the past. Um, mm. It's really cool to kind of 
keep keep in touch and, and to be talking to people like yourself who have studied under him mm. you know, because he's got such a, a great grounding in that bigger holistical picture really yeah yeah definitely and I mean the other ones up at um, AUT you know um, Grant and Karen and um, you know Mickey Willardin as well you know um, there are really good contacts and people in New Zealand that are really well regarded in the nutrition area so yeah I was very fortunate to be surrounded by or have known you know um, those people yeah absolutely and since you've since you've headed back down to to the Whanganui region uh, mm-hmm. You have, like you said, you've started up your own business. What's that called so people can have a wee look? So I'm training, in, I guess, Nicola Brown Wellness Coach. Um, and as I've said, you know, that derives from not only my recent studies around nutrition, but obviously I can give advice around, you know, personal training and fitness and movement um, and uh, around mental health and well-being as well. So a real holistic approach. Um, I didn't really want to box myself and this is all that I do as such. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that kind of, I guess, encompasses that whole holistic approach uh, mm. from a nutrition, exercise, mental health kind of point of view, doesn't it really? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. You know, like I'm a big believer in... You know, your body all connecting with one another and if one's off, then we need to sort of look at that area before something else can, you know, go well. You know, your mind or your or your gut or, you know, your gut health or your body, you know, it, it all definitely links. Um, mm. And you can tell when something is is um, off and I think that's, you know, a real driver of what I do in my business. Yeah, absolutely. And so mm. what, kind of, what kind of clientele would you see? Um, on a you know on a weekly or a, a fortnightly basis within mm. that. Mm. Um, so anywhere from general population, people just wanting to improve their habits and routines, <laughs> um, weight loss, uh, and then I guess on the other end of the spectrum, working with uh, athletes, you know anywhere from um, triathletes to powerlifters, um, and most recently, um, and ones that I've worked with the most is in the rugby area. So. Um, yeah, it can be like AUT Millennium. My job can also be quite varied, you know, from um, one end of the spectrum to the other who I work with. Um, yeah, mm. so it's it's quite varied, and no client is the same. <laughs> no. So yeah, no, I think interesting. that's a, a, a big part of that sort of nutritional area is it's so varied. Um, you know, mm. I guess Maddie and myself coaching predominantly endurance sports there's obviously the mm. sport of discipline change but the principles mm. are pretty similar mm. um you know if we started coaching powerlifting athletes and uh you know sprint track runners and then all of a sudden back mm. to endurance it would be a, a certainly mm-hmm. an interchangeable but mm. it's really cool to get that spectrum but it probably does make it a wee bit harder in terms of trying to build some uh some guidelines and some recommendations for different mm. populations yeah definitely and and i think I mean, if this year all went to plan, <laughs> I would be, you know, going into my second year with working, you know, involved with rugby, and I guess you build up that credibility and networking and stuff. So, fingers mm. crossed, we get back on track soon, and um, that's sort of the area I guess I've been heading um, as such. But don't get me wrong, I love working with, um, you know, general population people just wanting to improve their health, you know, their daily lives. So, um, yeah. You know, it's certainly become, I mean, the, the general population and, you know, like we can lump some sort of weekend warrior type athletes <laughs> into there as well. Yeah. The whole health and wellness craze has certainly become a lot more popular in the last couple mm. of years. And I mm. suspect 
um, sort of post-COVID-19 uh, in New Zealand, at least, that's going to continue. Um, there's going to mm. be a lot more people looking for, right, how do I keep my health high, especially mm. through winter with nutrition um, and some basic supplementation if need be. Yeah. Um, well, so, I always think, you know, around you can only control the controllables, right? And one thing um, that I believe is, you know, control the controllables. What you can control is what you consume and what you put in your body. You might not be able to, you know, control what happens to your job or what happens in the world right now or, um, you know, sickness in your family or anything like that. But what you can control is what you consume, if that makes sense, um, which makes, you know, has a huge impact on your health and well-being at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I love that we, we like control the controllables uh, because it is such a, such a scary thing, not, not knowing and not being able to control a situation. Um, mm. And I guess that's what we've faced all around the world recently with, with COVID-19 and not being able to control how long we're in lockdown for or how mm. we're going to get sued or are we going to get sick going to the supermarket or something like that. But mm. we can control, yeah, what we put into our bodies and we can control getting out mm. of the house and getting some sunlight and walking around the block and so forth. So yeah, um, yep. I think 100%. that's that ties really nicely into you know one of the main reasons that we're, we're talking to you today um, mm-hmm. and around that connection between nutrition and mental health mm. uh, and I know it's an area that you're you're quite passionate about um, so it'd be really cool to kind of get your get your view on nutrition and mental health and and how they interconnect um, and yeah I guess how yeah how nutrition has has a massive impact on our, our mental health yeah um, I guess a lot it comes from my own experience and why I'm so passionate about it. Um, I will put it out there. I have suffered from mental health myself in the form of um, depression and anxiety. And I guess that's why I'm so passionate about it now, um, right? Um, mm. Because I'm at probably the best stage of my life in terms of how I feel and um, uh, how I am. So um, a big driver of why I got into this area was I noticed what worked for me was changing my lifestyle, changing my habits and routines, consuming, you know, nutrient-dense foods, um, moving my my body the way, you know, it can, and um, being kind to myself, you know, sleep, you know, all these holistic things um, Mm. moved through my life and the challenges that I faced. And, um, yeah, I can now say that, yeah, like I said, I'm at the best stage of my life because of those you know, changes, those consistent habits and routines that I put into my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could delve deeper into that, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might save that for, for another episode. Yeah, no, that's right. But, <laughs> um, but, but no, that's, like you say, I mean, it's learning, learning firsthand, I guess, with ourselves is a big, a big powerful mm-hmm. thing. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of what you're describing there, you know, changing more to a nutrient-dense um, sort of diet, movement and, and sleep and so forth is, is really getting back to those grounding um, sort of basic primal kind of patterns, isn't it, really? You know, we're born to move. We're born to eat nutrient foods when we can find them. Mm. Um, and we're born to sleep when it gets dark outside. Yeah. We, you know, and we are what we eat. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone can agree, you know, if you've had a binge 
night, you know, drinking loads of alcohol, all you cravers, um, all that, you know, fatty um, food to soak up the alcohol. The next day you just feel blah, you know, that whole feeling. Um, or if you've eaten something and you just don't feel right, you know, I'm a big believer in what we consume, you know, um, energizes us or, you know, is the right type of fuel for us to get us through the day. Um, and it has a huge, you know, part to play on how our mind is. Um, mm. Mm. And our gut, you know, um, yep. like I said before, in terms of what healed me and what I know has healed other people is around that whole brain-gut connection. Um, yep. So what's happening on the inside projects what happens on the outside, right? Um, I mean, obviously, yep. it's a lot more complex than that at times, but um, if we can get back to the basics of eating good nutrient-dense foods, whole natural unprocessed, you know, where possible, um, getting good um, vitamin D out in the sun, getting um, good consistent um, sleep patterns is huge. I think that would actually be number one. Um, hydration, so as basic as, you know, drinking water. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then the other thing would be um, surrounding yourself with, um, you know, good people, good supportive people in your life. So it's a whole, you know, <laughs> circle around someone, isn't it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, mm. absolutely. Um, mm. You've mentioned it a couple of times, so maybe we'll t- the, the nutrient-dense food. When you when you say nutrient-dense food, um, mm. what do you, you know, mm. from a, I don't know, if we look at it maybe from like a breakfast, lunch, dinner kind of rough mm. spectrum, um, mm. what would that look like? Mm. I don't like to, I guess this is probably going into the whole area of diet culture maybe, but <laughs> I don't like to put um, food as like labelled as good or bad. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, I like to, looking at a food, how nutrient-dense is it in terms of um, its fueling for the body? So you put, um, I'm just going to put it out there, KFC, McDonald's, you know, takeaway foods, but then you get, say, a um, one-ingredient food. So this is where I'm heading. So foods that have got maybe one ingredient, so a kumara or a chicken breast or spinach um, or almonds, you know, that's one-ingredient foods. And then on the other end of the spectrum is what I just said before, and then whatever happens in between. Um, but I like to say my daily diet or recommend throughout the day that you base your meals around um, those one ingredient foods and then you build it up from there as such. Yep. And that's yeah. a really simple, simple way to look at it for people, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I have found that it has worked for clients um, yep. and myself clients, yeah, athletes, other people. So yeah, it's almost flipping that, um, <laughs> Unfortunately, the food pyramid that's still in the government guidelines, um, it's almost flipping that on its head and having the base of the pyramid, you know, with all those um, beautiful um, colours, you know, your vegetables, you know, especially above ground vegetables. Then on top of there, you know, you're adding your good um, sources of protein and your good sources of fat because fat is good for us, ain't it? It is. And they're, you know, like adding in your fruits. So these are all one ingredient foods, right? And then, you know, we can sort of build the pyramid from there. Um, you know, whole grains, you know, those sources of carbohydrates are good as well. So, yeah, that's that's what the day would look like. Um, moving on from that, I'm a big believer in eating to satiety. So I do also feel that if you're eating the right type of foods, you should feel satisfied. You know, if you're looking at your plate um, and you finish that meal, you should feel satisfied. Do you know what I mean? You shouldn't half, mm. half an hour later be 
wanting to go to the fridge or the pantry or something else, um, either you haven't fueled yourself properly to satiety or there's other issues going on like you're bored or you're distracted or something else like that. Um, you know, you should be able to eat two to three meals consistently a day and feel satisfied. Yeah, and a big <clears throat> a big thing from, from my spectrum, and the, the podcast listeners have heard me blar on about it a couple of times, with satiety, especially with protein. Um, oh, definitely. And again, especially in that athlete population where people are, uh, you know, they're using their muscles and they're very active and they're breaking stuff down, they need to repair and that, that mm-hmm. obviously comes from the, the protein and tend to find a lot of people that are struggling with satiety or being full from a meal aren't getting enough protein in said meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you, you mentioned chicken breast and, and so forth in there and mm-hmm. just sort of the education around, I guess, protein levels and foods for people. People think mm-hmm. protein, they think a protein shake or some sort of powder that they have to consume to mm-hmm. get a protein intake. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. quite quite cool to be able to, to use foods and, and I guess explain to people and show people what is possible just from eating food without going down a, a supplementation mm. pathway. Oh, definitely. And, you know, there is a World Health um, Organization daily minimum, which I think is uh, 0.8, but I may have heard or seen somewhere that they are thinking of increasing that per kg of body weight per day. I'm not sure if you've said that to your listeners before, but um, there is that daily minimum. But in terms of who I work with, I would be encouraging people to have, um, you know, quite a bit more than that. And people think um, in terms of protein, um, they think, oh, you know, I'll get big and I'll, you know, they just mm. think straight away bodybuilding, right? Um, but it is actually really hard to overconsume protein. I mean, you try and sit down and have, I don't know, two plus grams of kg of, you know, body weight per day of protein. Um, it's quite yeah. hard to consume that amount in one go. <laughs> oh, it's one of those So um, you're probably not having as much as you think, you know, mm. you should be having. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yep. and I'm a, a big, um, a big supporter of the fact that yeah, I think a lot of people don't consume enough, and mm. or they they think they're consuming enough, but when they put it on paper, it's like oh, actually that's not enough, mm. or they're adhering to that World Health Organization kind of value of about point eight, but they're mm-hmm. you know, a physical athlete runners, especially um, obviously mm. in your domain with rugby players, you know, they're they're needing. 1.4, 1.6, two grams of protein a day. Yep. Um, yep. And like you said, if you try and eat that in in real food, it's, <laughs> it's really hard. Um, yeah. So, so it's a good challenge, I think, to to set when people are looking at sort of a dietary uh, approach to to use that as their base point. Mm. Okay. We're and I, enough. Sorry. No, you got. Um, I mean, to a lot of the listeners and, and people, like especially in general pop, um, you know talking about numbers and stuff it's quite hard to imagine sometimes but I like to you know get our hands out and actually look at our hands (laughs) um, as guidance around what we should be eating on our plates you know so um, obviously with males you know if you're looking at your two palms um, circumference and thickness of protein you know that's a good guidance and obviously the bigger you are the bigger your hands are going to be right Um, so just rather than trying to think, oh, what is that grams and trying to work it all out, you know. I know there's mm. apps and stuff out there like MyFitnessPal and Easy Diet Diary and those sort of ones, but if we can just um, look at our plate that we've got in front of us and be like, oh, yep, yeah, I know that's going to, 
keep me satisfied. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So really yep. tuning into what your body has given you to give you clues and how much you need to be eating on your plate. Yep. And that's a good, a good guide too, especially if people are, you know, no one really likes to weigh food, let's be honest. No. Um, no. And if you can have your hands on sort of rough edges. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's right. It's, it's quite funny. You know, it's often nutritional um, coaches and, and dietitians and so forth that are asking people to weigh food, but then, then themselves don't like weighing the food um, exactly. at the other end anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm still a big, big believer in that, you know, you can't get it that accurate anyway from mm. a, you know, you don't need to weigh down to the nearest gram your yeah. calories each day, so. Nice. So that's, um, so that's cool. So we kind of have strayed a little bit away um, from from that, but it's really I quite like that conversation around nutrient dense food, um, mm. and just highlighting to people, yeah, that one one uh, one ingredient, so so to speak. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you Would, can kind of look at that in terms of going to the supermarket, right? Like whereabouts are you going to shop? Most of the one ingredient nutrient dense foods. Um, hopefully a lot of your listeners know, is around the outside of the supermarket and then every so often you'll go into the middle of the aisles to get, you know, like your eggs or your oils or um, spices and herbs and that kind of stuff, you know. So it really goes into your um, your life and how you shop and how you prepare and everything as well. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's why I'm a big believer in it. Mm. <laughs> I think too, I mean, foods like, you know, you mentioned KFC, and I know on the on the internet. Oh, I can't wait till it opens on Tuesday. I'm no, just trying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but there's I guess there's a lot of recipes too floating around online over the lockdown <laughs> period of how to make your own KFC at home. Yeah. So I guess in in your in your perception, is mm. that a better option to make your own? It can be if you're not yeah. using you know like oils that are you know um, high inflammatory you know in, yeah. in the body you know your polyunsaturated um trans fats and all that kind of stuff um so yes it can be a better option um and i'm all about getting people back into the home and the kitchen and cooking mm. with their families and their kids um you know sitting down for meals and being proud of what you can produce yourself and i'm sure there's a lot of people in this time that have actually surprised themselves and be like hey look i can actually cook food you know mm. it's not actually that hard um as long as i'm a little bit more prepared you know i've got all the ingredients um and it's amazing what you can come up with um whether that be kfc chicken at home or you know or, or you know pizzas or you know you can cook um uh good quality food at home um yep. without having to go to takeaways <laughs> yeah yeah no and I mean, Hopefully, I don't offend any people saying that, but just, <laughs> you can see what um, my beliefs are. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, that's that's the, the the key point. Like you said, that KFC, home homemade KFC can still be bad for us if mm. we choose the wrong ingredients to add in there. Um, mm. And it's not just the fact that KFC, when we go to the shop to buy it, comes from a big takeaway chain, but it's the ingredients they're using within that process. That are the, uh, the the bad component, or so to speak. Not that we want to put the word bad in there, but uh, <laughs> the nasty component to it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, moving to the next point, you were, you've talked a little bit about gut health um, and mm. how that's played a, a big role for yourself, but also for a lot of your mm. clients. Mm. What is it? I mean, obviously, the the gut has a a really nice link with the brain, and it's helping mm. us with a lot of signals and a lot of our mood. 
comes from mm. the gut and the brain connection there. Um, mm. So maybe maybe we could go through a few key kind of nutrients for the gut um, and how we can can get them in through foods. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. So um, obviously you want to get um, some sour foods in there, you know, so you're thinking of, um, you know, your yogurts and your sauerkraut and your kimchi um, and your probiotics, um, kombucha, kefir, you know, all those type of um, foods you can add in to your daily diet as well. Um, making sure that you're not um, having a high sugar diet because obviously that plays a part in your gut health. Um, I, you know, candida overgrowth. <laughs> um, mm. So, you know, I've had that myself before in terms of candida. Um, I've had clients that have had it before as well. Um, and that can play a huge role in um, actually how they mentally feel. There is mm. a huge connection there. Um, so trying to heal the gut um, uh, is, is a big thing. You know, having things like bone broth, um, is, is good as well for the gut um, and then just going back to those one ingredient foods as well um, obviously drinking a lot of water getting a um, good amount of fibre in your diet so that's coming predominantly from vegetables and fruits um, and then I do ask my clients a lot about bowel health <laughs> so yes we talk about like poos as well you know and, and what it's like um, because that is a really um, you know whether they're constipated or whether they have diarrhea um, how regular they are because that actually tells us a lot around um, how their gut is working right mm -hmm. um, so we do have those interesting but uh, much needed conversations um, in practice yeah yeah yep. I think that's I mean when you're not able to, to physically test everything that comes out of somebody, um, <laughs> yeah. just a, a general conversation around the regularity and, and what it looks like and colour and that kind of stuff can tell us a lot. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Yeah. Quite cool. Um, so those sour foods you mentioned, they all sounded to me like fermented foods. Is that correct? Yep, yep. 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 So definitely getting fermented foods into your diet daily. You know, you can add them to your salads or, um, you know, I take a and recommend a probiotic um, drink, you know, daily, something like that. Um, I take one called Vita Biosa. It's a really good one. Um, and I actually think uh, Cliff has it on his website, um, Nutrition Store Online. It's a little plug for him there. <laughs> um or Vital Health um, Company. So, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, that's about a 20 to 30 mil shot a day, you know, just something as simple as that that can add to your um, your gut health. Yeah, cool. And so they're all about putting putting good bacteria back into the gut. Correct. Really. And yeah. the yeah. bacteria is going to help us signal to the body uh, to do a whole bunch of different things. Um, mm -hmm. And probably, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's quite timely, I guess, with COVID-19, but a big part of what our gut bacteria is helping with is the immune system. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Again, some of the listeners are probably familiar with the, the, the term that 70% of your immune system resides in our gut. So if we can have mm. a, a much better gut health from fermented foods and probiotic drinks mm. and uh, mm. less sugars and so forth, then we're going to mm. have a much stronger immune system. Mm. I mean, play around with the amounts as well, because I know that some people, um, you know, like you're thinking of kefir and kombucha, there's actually um, some people can handle only certain amounts. I know at the supermarkets there's been this big drive with kombucha, which is awesome. You know, it's a good alternative to have than, say, something else that's not um, um, so good, you know. But, um, 
just because it's the bottle there doesn't mean that you have to drink the whole bottle in one go. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so just play around with how much you can actually tolerate um, and how your body reacts to those type of drinks as such. Yeah, yep. and that's a good, yeah. a good point because as far as I'm aware, there's no known side effects of probiotics, but there are some of these effects where people can have increased flatulence and uh, increased in, in bowel movements when they start off by dumping a whole bunch of good bacteria to the system, yep. they kind of end up fighting the, yep. the bad, um, yeah. and that just upsets the system. But there's no no clinical known side effects of a, a probiotic. No, no. Um, and they are safe for, for all um, all populations, people that are pregnant, people that are on sort of certain medications as well. Mm. So that's that's mm. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so in terms of I guess we've, we've got our gut health on on check. We're eating single uh, sort of single ingredient foods or combining them to make a, a meal. Mm-hmm. When we start to kind of I guess look at the the negative impacts of mental mental health and mm. being people that are sort of either in some sort of low mood or a, a depression sort of spectrum, um, mm. what would be some some easy easy wins for them? Um, of going to the supermarket to buy a whole bunch of raw food to cook into a meal is just too much to, to handle. Mm. I think there's some really good um, ready-made uh, ready-made meals and ones that can be delivered these days um, as well that are out there um, without naming any. But there's definitely you know look online in terms of. Um, getting things delivered to your door <laughs> so you mm. know because what's one whether we're feeling down or if we're feeling on top of our game one of the best things to feel is if we're prepared for the week right um and if we are feeling down and depressed um and not feeling like getting in the kitchen and cooking nutrient dense foods one of the best ways you can do that is have it have something delivered to you um and it turns up at your door you've got your week sorted and then you know you've got your dinner's done. Do you know what I mean? And hopefully yeah. some leftovers for lunch because the best lunches you can have are usually from leftovers the night, you know, before. Yeah. Um, and I'm a big believer in terms of, um, you know, we've got, say we eat three meals a day um, and, you know, that's seven days. So we've got 21 meals. If we can just concentrate on small steps at a time and, you know, do one meal, one out of the 21, Am I right? No. Mm. Hold on. Three. <laughs> three sevens. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Had to get, go back to my maths then. Um, so if we can just do one meal, you know, not over, feel like we have to do every single meal that has to be perfect and, and look Instagram <laughs> so worthy, you know. Um, yeah. And then just build from there, you know, get those little wins in terms of making us feel good and be like, oh, I started my day with, you know, a good amount of protein. That got me to lunchtime. I felt really good. You know, I felt energized. You know, mm-hmm. um, I didn't get a slump, slump about mid-morning and I felt like doing it for the rest of the day. You know, so it's taking these little small wins, being prepared at the start of the week, um, getting help, like those things being delivered. That's a really good, easy way um, to start. And then just chipping away through the week and building on top of that because it's what we do consistently um, and continu- continuously that helps, you know. Um, yeah not trying to overwhelm ourselves that we have to do everything or we should be doing this because we've seen it somewhere or it's working for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's a really good, easy, easy step again too, you know, just, just change one thing at a time. Um, yep. We're probably fortunate that a lot of the listeners being in the, the endurance sporting realm, they're kind of quite dedicated to the cause. Mm, I can imagine. Especially with training. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dietary changes and, and dietary approaches tend to come second fiddle to training. People think, right, I can just train some more and I'll lose that extra bit of weight. Or I'm just, oh, I'm too tired, I've spent doing too much training, I'll back mm. off for a day and I'm, I'm good. And we don't tend to address the, the underlying dietary side of things that often. Mm. Uh, or you see a lot of, you know, events sponsored by alcohol companies where you finish a race and here's a couple of beers and... Mm. Or, you know, you go for a nice training session and here's a couple more beers and, and, mm. and so forth. So we think we do mm. enough training, but we don't address that pillar of, of nutrition. Mm. Uh, and therefore, do you think I, it still gets pushed aside in the endurance area? Uh, nutrition? You know, yeah, do you think it's on probably, point or going that way? or Probably gets pushed aside less than some sports just because for the longer endurance races, sort of the, the marathon, Ironman type of distances, you can't mm. ignore it really mm. uh, yeah yeah and, uh, you know you might be able to get away with ignoring it for, for half your build up and then you have to start training adding nutrition into your training sessions and during the race and and so mm. forth but the last couple of episodes of the podcast actually we've been looking at um, sort of faster training sessions and and the effects mm. that that can have on the gut if you don't train the gut to actually eat food when you're training mm. Uh, mm. and i think if, if people could nail you know a percentage of those 21 meals a week, mm. then the training nutrition becomes a little less important because they're getting the, the quality mm. nutrients in each session, uh, each meal, mm. sorry. Uh, mm. So they're more likely to be fueled and recovering better post-sessions. Mm. Um, well, well, you know so. you went, when you're on point, right, with your nutrition. You know, mm. you know when you've had a good day or a good week nutrition-wise. You know, just yep. nutrition speaking, you know when you're feeling on point, you know, like on top of your of your game, right? Um, and you know those weeks or those training sessions when when you start to really look into, um, I guess, self-awareness in terms of how food makes you feel, you know, when you haven't quite nailed it. Um, and I, I'm sure that's huge for endurance, you know, athletes um, because they may have gone for that run and they may hit that wall and think like, oh, what did I actually, was I fasted or, you know, or did I have something to eat that I hadn't trained with beforehand or I don't know, just, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's very, very, very true, um, especially when we start looking at sort of pre-training snacks and during training and post-training mm. uh, meals. But we might might leave some of those more finer details to, to another podcast because I can see these these episodes blown out a little bit with the amount of areas we could, could dive down. <laughs> um, but in terms of what you see with, with some of your clients and around sport and sport nutrition and the... I guess the mental issues or the mental health issues that come from performance-driven sports or aesthetic-driven sports where there's this drive to, I've got to cut some calories out because I've got to lose some weight. Um, mm. And I've got to do that by you know three weeks down the track or, or something like that. Mm. Do, you, do you have some, I guess, some easy advice for people that are maybe thinking, oh, I'm, I'm too... Over, I'm too big, too got too much body fat, or not the right mm. body shape for my sport. Mm. Um, mm. And... Yeah, I, I guess um, I have these dis- discussions with the rugby guys because that's what I'm mm. relate to um, quite a lot. Rugby guys and girls, as such, um, and there's a difference in that as well. Um, 
there's actually a New Zealand um, recommendation around what position they should be. Um, sorry, the positions and then what their weight and also their skin fold measures should be. Okay. So they know where they need to go mm. um, and where NZRU are looking, you know, <laughs> for those particular players. And that's huge stress yeah. um, and puts huge stress and worry and anxiety on a lot of these players because I personally feel we're boxing them and I always go back to well, are you performing well on game day, whether this be endurance or rugby or whatever? You know, are you um, hitting your PBs in the gym? Are you, you know, all your PBs out on the road or the bike? Or um, how are you feeling? How are you sleeping? You know, it's so much more than just saying you need to be this weight on the scales yep. <laughs> um, or these this skin fold, you know, measures. Um, where was I going with that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just feel quite passionate about everyone's an individual. And if you're performing at your best, you know, why should you have to be 60 kgs? Where did that come from? You know, why do you have to be um, 80 millimetres, you know, in your total skin fold measures? You know, who who actually says that? Um, you know, and I've seen it. It does put a lot of stress and anxiety on them to the point where they may think, you know, I get questions around, oh, so I'm not allowed to eat that amount of, especially carbohydrates, um, so I'm not allowed to eat um, that carbohydrates or, or this type of fat or, or that's going to push it over, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's quite alarming really when yeah. you start to look into it from, I guess, a mental health point of view, um, the stress and anxiety that can put on people. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think there'd be quite a few listeners, again, in, in our area of endurance sport that would struggle to comprehend that a rugby player would have these same sort of issues. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I mean, but obviously everyone's striving to be at their peak performance, but mm-hmm. you see rugby players that are big, strong kind of guys and gals, mm-hmm. but you don't think about them having the issue of not, you know, of not being able to eat what they want to eat um, mm-hmm. because of what they're outputting and, and the, the muscle, mm-hmm. muscle that they've got. Um, mm. But I think too in the endurance space we see a lot of people on Instagram and, and Facebook too and everyone's looking lean and looking fit mm. and mean. <laughs> um, but that might be for, you know, their, their A race of the season and they've got themselves to that point and then the next week they've put on another couple of kgs because they've gone down so low and that's not a great place for them to hang out and, mm. and so forth. Um, and I think there's, a, there's a really yeah. sort of fine line between getting the right weight for yourself mm. and then the weight that the sport is for some reason dictating that people be. Mm. And, and I think if you're under a coach, you know, a good coach will understand you as an individual, you know, mm. and, and your, you know, the periodization of your training program and the periodization of, you know, your nutrient needs as well, you know, leading up to like your, like you say, your A, um, what did you call it? Your A race. <laughs> um, you know, so they need to have an understanding of, yeah, you're going to go through peaks and, and um, troughs with your nutrition and stuff until you hit that main race or that main game day. Um, so I think it's really important that um, as an athlete, um, you surround yourself with good coaches who have a good understanding of who you are and, you know, what your needs actually are as well. Um, and then that changes from a male and female perspective as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And I think again, the, the the this conversation could become 
um, a multiple hour conversation. But <laughs> one probably area to to address, well, I guess, would be the the stress, like you're saying, of having to to monitor a macro intake, or I can't have that many carbohydrates, or I have to have this much protein, mm-hmm. and the impact of that stress on our body is worse than mm-hmm. not than you know than going to eat something that we sh- mm. potentially shouldn't be eating, you know, with mm. KFC, mm. let's say. Um, mm. But if we can reduce the stress on our system by taking the, the foot off our own throat, so to speak, mm. then we're going to reduce our stress hormones and we're going to have a better uh, sort of processing of the food because our gut's going to be healthier and the mm-hmm. flow-on effect is massive. Oh, hugely. Yeah, I think we need to be a bit kinder to ourselves, <laughs> you know, um, and not always think of that number on the scales and go mm-hmm. back to really tuning into you as a person and knowing when you're on point, when you're on top of your game and, you know, relating back to when did I feel my best, you know, in that race or on that game day. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. And mm. I guess just even giving the, the appreciation that uh, eating – Eating disorders, and I don't really like the word disorders, but it's the mm. name that is given to it. There's a spectrum on there, um, mm. and you've obviously got one far extreme um, from a, a sort of a medical, clinical point of view, all the way up mm-hmm. to the other end where a, a lot of athletes, I think, fall into this spectrum of not eating enough, although okay, I'm going to have mm. go low-carb, high-fat, and then no, I've got to go back to high-carbohydrate, and I've got to have gels, and I've got to have... And it becomes mm. a bit of a disorder itself. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and I think social media has a huge part to mm. play in that as well. So, you know, making sure going back to your surrounding yourself, not with just good coaches and people around you, but what you're looking at on a daily basis as well um, in social media. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's huge. Um, and that plays a big part in terms of um, pressures on, you know, eating disorders and what we should look like or what we need to look mm. like um, to be able to perform at our best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And social, I mean, social media has got a, a huge role to play in, in mental health across a whole range of different things, mm. doesn't it? Um, mm. but certainly in that nutrition space where mm-hmm. people tend to only put up the, the best version of themselves with the Correct. right light shining off them, you know, yep. maybe a little bit of water dripped on there on the skin to make it look shiny and, and all these things that are very unrealistic. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So just yeah. be careful in terms of, um, I guess that's a tip, right? If, if something's making yeah. you feel uncomfortable, whether it be the, you know, the five people that surround you the most or the, what you're looking at on your phone um, daily, just be really mindful of does that make me feel uncomfortable? Does that put me in a position to feel stressed and anxious um, and and not where I need to be with my sport, you know, um, and, and just maybe unfollowing them or, um, you know, choosing wisely, I guess. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it needs to work for you and the individual. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It's controlling that controllable, isn't it? We can control what we look at. Correct. But we can't control what, you know, so-and-so puts on social media. So we just don't follow so-and-so if we don't want to don't want to see it. Um, mm. But we're so addicted to following, um, following, you know, the, the hot and sexy, glamorous people, uh, <laughs> because that's apparently what life's supposed to look like. Yeah, it's what sells, right? <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. the same with, with food sometimes too, you know, all these flash meals that get put up and, uh, um, you know, they're, they're taking photos of very, very craftfully. Um, and yeah. then, then the average Joe yeah. like myself goes and try and cooks it. I'm like, oh, it doesn't quite look the same, but you know, it still tastes good, but it's yeah. just, oh, it doesn't look like it should look like, but you know, <laughs> that shouldn't well, matter. 
Yeah, like athletes, especially endurance athletes, seeing, you know, um, different gels popping up or um, electrolytes and stuff and then be like, oh, that'll work for me. And then come, you know, race day, they might try it for the first time and it's probably the worst thing that you could ever do, you know. Yep. Um, so just be mindful and careful of um, what you're choosing and buying online, I guess. And, well, yeah, that and then trialling it before you go out into race day. <laughs> yes, yes, that, that's, that's a fantastic tip. Um, that probably can't be repeated enough uh, because we're, we're all guilty of it um, at times in our life. Oh, yeah. I've had some shocking experiences with that, but you um, you definitely learn from it, don't you? You do. Yep, yep. absolutely. Yep. <laughs> um, and it's, again, that, that's another topic in itself, but in terms of preparing, you know, pe- preparing for your A race physically mm. and including within that the nutritional component of it, you know, making sure you've got, your, your pre, uh, sorry, your meal the night before, the meal two days before mm. needs to be on point because you can't expect just to eat healthy on one day and expect that that's going to increase your performance. So if you can implement these these small changes um, that we've been talking about, mm. uh, you know, six months out, mm. then come mm. race day, you, mm. you're not only going to be mentally in a better space, but physically you'll be in a better space as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I go on like that to the, you know, the rugby athletes all the time. It's not just what you do on game day. You know, mm. it does actually have a flow-on effect from straight after the game. What are you going to fuel yourself for recovery, you know? Yeah. And then how is that going to go into your Sunday and your Monday and then preparing for the rest of the week? You know, I say to them, you can't just expect to turn up, wake up on Saturday and think it's going to be, right, this is, you know, the day I'm going to change everything and try everything new. Yeah. <laughs> it's completely the opposite, you know, um, to, yeah, to what they're doing. Yeah, and I imagine that probably with some of the younger uh, rugby players that you work with, that's the the harder message to get across, that they, they can't just front up on game day because mm. they, they probably have been through their high school careers fronting mm. up on a sad day, right, you know, where we're bigger and we're stronger than the average player at that level mm. and we're going to walk all over them. Um, but now we're playing with people that are very much the same as us. Mm-hmm. Um, those extra little bits of, you know, the mm. week leading into it is, is a much more vital piece to the mm. puzzle. Yeah, and it's been quite cool. Some of the athletes that I've worked with um, last year um, to now, to working with them now and seeing them within six months to a year's time, their bodies mm-hmm. have developed incredibly, you know, and they're still growing, some of these guys. But to see what I've taught them, you know, six months to a year ago to now um, is awesome. You know, like their body compositions are um, most of them are really on target and they're heading towards hopefully some, you know, some good careers yeah. um, because they're putting all those things into play. You know, they're, um, you know, consistently doing it. Um, they know how they feel. They know it works for them. So, yeah, I'm really proud of some of them. Mm. Yeah, cool. And, that, yeah, that's, as, a, as a coach, that's a really cool situation to feel, isn't it, you know, when you've, mm. you've watched someone come through such a long period of time and even you might not still be working with them but they're still applying these principles you've taught to them at some mm. point um, mm. and they're succeeding because of that mm. yeah definitely yeah. yeah they're more educated right um and that's you know a huge part like i said at the start you know from my teaching career why education is so important to me as well you know if you if we as coaches can just um educate someone whether it's one thing you know drink more water mm. you know, and yeah. they implement that for the rest of their lives i think we've done our job yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's been, um, Maddie uh, posed a, a statement recently on the podcast that he consistent, consistently, uh, oh, I'm pretty sure yeah. I've said that right, 
Um, I like that. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. You know, we were talking about that in a, a, a training setting, but it's the same with nutrition, you know, or water. If you can be mm. more consistent drinking water consistently, mm. then mm. you're going to be better off than you were before. Mm. Uh, mm. And it's just about making these little, little, you know, half a percent or one percent changes every yep. week or once a day or whatever it is yep. to make yep. yourself a, a better, a better human, but also a better athlete in, in mm. your chosen area. Mm. Just be patient, you know, and um, it's not all going to come at once, <laughs> but mm. it will happen. Like I said, I've seen, you know, athletes over a certain period of time and it does like click one day, you know, and it happens. And, and it's all because you've built up that journey from the get go and you've just been so, you know, determined to get there as well. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. Now I think we might come to a close there but just because we're from a time point of view. Um, yep. But there are so many other things that I'd like to talk to you at some point if you'd be happy to come back. Definitely. have loved chatting to you so far, Nick. So, yeah, and I know we could go down some rabbit holes of oh, all absolutely. different sorts of topics that I'm very passionate about and I'm happy yeah. to delve um, deeper into them. So that would be great. Awesome. Okay. So for now, how do people touch base with you if they want to in the interim? How do, how do we find you? Yeah, well, I guess I do most of my work on Instagram. Um, that seems to be the easiest way. So nicolabrown.wellness or over on Facebook in the same um, uh, tagline. And then otherwise, I have an email, uh, nicolabrown.wellness at gmail.com. Um, yeah, so get in contact and get some conversations going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now now for, for athletes in, in, in New Zealand, especially with the season, you know, we've mm. just had four weeks of, of lockdown through COVID-19. Mm. We have another two weeks coming up of, of relatively lockdown. And then we're into winter. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a great time to get on top of nutrition, get your health up via nutrition. Mm. Uh, and so come summertime next year, when races mm. start popping up, you're in a, in a position where you can actually put in some good training performance because you've got your nutrition sorted. Um, there's no awesome. point in waiting till summertime to sort it out. No, no. Yeah. You know, if, if anything in this um, time of lockdown and isolation, if it's one thing I, was, I hope people would have worked on and continue to work on is their nutrition, you know. Mm. Those uh, control what you consume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely. No, it's, it's a fantastic. But thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Um, and, yeah, look forward to, to catching up again soon. Sounds good. Mate, thanks for listening. If you would like to support this podcast and see it continue into the future, you can do so in a number of ways. Firstly, make sure you subscribe to this channel on whatever platform you are listening. Like and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word. If you're feeling really generous, head over and leave a review and a rating over on iTunes. This helps spread the word and develop the podcast. All of this will help the podcast continue long into the future so we can keep bringing you the information you need to train hard, but most importantly, train smart.